So the last few weeks I've been starting out with a question. It's kind of just become a thing now, and uh, I don't know why, but uh, um, this week my question for you is, have you ever lost anything? Have you ever lost anything? Raise your hand if you've ever lost anything. Yeah, I think, I mean, of course, we've all lost things, right? All kinds of things, cheap and, and ordinary, the unique and the valuable. I mean, uh, so many, so many things. I mean, bread ties. I mean, how many of you have, have opened up a loaf of bread and you took out the bread tie and you, you know, you, you made your sandwich and then you, you get done and you're like, oh, where'd, where'd, where'd that bread tie go? Ah, oh well, what do you do? Just twist it up and, ah, good enough, you know, no big deal. How about the TV remote? That's a big one. That's an important one, right? Right, guys? That's an important one. I mean, the new ones seem so small. I mean, look how small they are nowadays. And I mean, they're, they, they fall down into the cracks of the couch, and they, and, they, and they drop under the couch. A little toddler comes in and takes off with it, and then who knows where it ends up after that. You look all over the house. You flip over the cushions. You, you get on your hands and your knees, and you look under the couch. You start asking everyone, hey, who, who's seen the TV remote? Come on. I, I wanted to watch Doogie Howser MD. Come on. It's coming on any minute now. Hurry up. It couldn't have just, just vanished. It's got to be here someplace. You look pretty hard for that remote, you know. Maybe, maybe you eventually find it and you catch up on what, what Doogie's up to, you know. Or, or, or maybe you eventually just give up. And you just order a new one on Amazon because you've got Amazon Prime and it's going to be here tomorrow. So, good news. Disaster averted, Right? But how about grandma's brooch? How about that? How about grandma's brooch? The family heirloom that she left you. You have a family get-together tomorrow morning. And so you're getting all your, of your stuff ready the night before. You ladies especially, you know. I know you, you lay out your, your outfit and you get out your jewelry and your shoes and everything just to make sure that you're, you're all set. You get everything ready, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, where, where's, where's grandma's brooch? Where's, where's grandma's brooch? It was, it was, on, it was on your dresser in, in, your, in your jewelry box, but, but now it's gone. Where did, where did it go? You can't find it. Where did it go? Has anyone seen grandma's brooch that she gave me? Susie, Susie, did you get into mommy's jewelry box? Where is it? Where, where is grandma's brooch? You're looking everywhere. You're, you, you dump out your jewelry box looking for it. It's got to be here someplace. You, you pull out your dresser drawers. You look in there. Maybe it fell in there, and you dump those out. You pull the dresser out, and you look behind there. Where did it go? Anxiety building up inside of you. Where is it? This is grandma's brooch. Where is it? Where did it go? Everyone, help me look. Everyone, get out here. Everyone help me look and find. We have to find Grandma's brooch. And they begin to help look for it, you know, and, and eventually it's, it's late, and so they, they want to go to bed. And so they're, they're finally, they're like, oh, well, you know, just, just wear something different. Just wear, wear something else. You have plenty of other jewelry. 
You're like, no, I, I must find it. I have to find it. Finally, your husband, hoping to be helpful, says, well, well, honey, you know, I saw one at Jared, the, the gallery of jewelry, so we can just stop and pick one up on the way for you. No, it's, it's not the same. This is grandma's. It's special. It's irreplaceable. It's, it's priceless. You tear the house apart. Can't take a rest, and you will not stop it until you find it. The relief and the joy when you finally do, it's unimaginable. In each case, how hard we look is totally based on how much value we have on the thing that we have lost. That's the situation that we find the woman in the parable that Jesus tells this morning, the parable of the lost coin. Let's read it together and look at what Jesus is teaching us with it. And it's a short, it's a short one, but it has important implications for us. Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she is found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The short parable here, a woman has, has ten coins, but she's, she's lost one. She takes a lamp and she searches the house for it. This is no ordinary coin, so, she, she, so she, she searches diligently until she finds it. She's overjoyed. She calls her friends and neighbors to celebrate with her when she does. There's a lot more going on in this short parable than this simple story may suggest. I'm going to look into that to help draw out the meaning. The parable is told as the second part of three that Jesus tells right in a row. And that helps to put this parable into context. It all begins at verse 1 of chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus tells a series of three parables to confront the Pharisees' hypocrisy and expose the hardness of their hearts. To show them, despite all their religiosity and, and claim of knowledge, they really don't understand the kingdom of God. They did not understand why Jesus had come to seek and to save the lost. And so he explains it using three parables, the, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. He tells each one by trying to put them in the shoes of, of three different people. What man of you, what woman a man with two sons, a father. The use of each, each person forces them to confront some of their, some of their prejudices. Shepherd. Now, Pharisees would have been kind of offended by being forced to compare themselves to some of these, all three of these people. A shepherd, a dirty, lowly position, a social outcast. A woman who has no social standing. In that time, they, women had no social standing. They received no respect. Father, 
the wayward son. Well, that's a shameful example of a Jewish man. All would have offended them, offended them based upon their, their honor and shame culture. It's a, a culture that's still very prevalent in parts of the world today. Yet we know that, that God had no problem identifying with any of these. Psalm 23, he identifies as both the shepherd and a woman. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A shepherd that guides and protects. A woman preparing a table was woman's work. And yet, God prepares a table for each of us, before our enemies. He had no problem identifying with a as a shepherd or, or a woman. Of course, there's plenty of examples of God as our Heavenly Father. Jesus in John 10, 11 and 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Luke 13, 34, Jesus pictures himself as a mother hen who gathers her brood under her wings. Now, I'm not saying that God or Jesus are, are, is a woman, but, but they had no problem identifying themselves with a woman or a shepherd or anybody else to illustrate their character, to help us to understand their hearts. Jesus would often ask his listeners to put themselves into the shoes of someone else to, to help them see things from a, a different perspective. That's what he did with these these parables, everyday, ordinary people that the average person could identify with, uses every, everyday scenes of life that they could see themselves in. That's what Jesus is doing here. A shepherd loses his sheep. A woman loses her dowry. More on that in a minute. Father's child wanders off into the world. Now, some draw other analogies from these three examples, too. Jesus, the good shepherd, looking for his lost sheep. The Holy Spirit, the church, represented by the light in this parable, searching in the dark. The Father, waiting for his prodigals to return to him. All three of these parables portray, portray people who fall into a life of sin. Dumb sheep that wander away and find themselves in mortal danger. Lost coins that are dead and lifeless. They don't even know they're lost. Prodigals who give in to the lure of the world and chase after it. They are lost, disconnected from their true owner. But their owner doesn't give up on them. Instead, compassionately searching for them, freely offering forgiveness. And when they, when they find it, when they're found and they come back, there is a great celebration. 
So let's dig into this parable a little bit more and see the lessons Jesus is teaching. In this, in this short parable, I, I see four things that we're going to look at. The lost, searched for, found, and then celebrated. First, the first thing we see in this parable is the woman lost something. Coin. She had, she had ten, but she lost one of them. Like we've already talked about, we've, we've all lost something before. No matter what it is, it's, it's aggravated. How did she lose this coin? We don't know. We don't really know how she lost this coin. Is this strung together on a, on a string and, and worn around her neck? The cord broke and, and the, the coin scattered across the floor. One just disappeared someplace. Was it in a, in a little coin pouch? He took a cloth and, and, and rolled it up and, and then tied a cord around it to keep it safe, like a little money purse, you know, like a coin purse. And the cord come undone and the, the coins fell out. Or was there a hole in her, her pocket and one of them, unnoticed, just fell out? All kinds of ways that, that things get lost, right? It's the same with people. At one point or another, we were all lost. Just like this lifeless coin. Even when we didn't know that we were lost. Before we came to know the gospel and accepted Christ. Ephesians 2, 1 through 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Ephesians 2.12, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. You were lost, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise. Having no hope without God in the world, you were, you were lost, dead in your sins. No hope without God, completely lost. Before Christ, we were hopelessly lost and, and destined for hell. But these parables are about more than those lost to hell. Because the lost in these parables already belonged to the owner. The lost in these parables already belonged to the owner. We often read these parables and say, ah, huh, see, this is reaching the lost, those who don't know Christ at all. We pay attention, no. All of these already belonged to the owner. The lost sheep were part of the flock, but they wandered away. For whatever reason, disillusioned, maybe, maybe taken in by, by false teachers. Jeremiah 50, verse 6. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray, turning them Away on the mountains, from mountain to hill they have gone. They have forgotten their fold. Psalm 119, 176. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Sometimes people choose to leave. Like the prodigal son, enticed by what the world claims to offer. They have chosen to leave the Father and follow their own desires. Like the lost coin, they fell into the filthiness of the world. They were enveloped by its darkness. There's no question that there are those who 
belong to the Lord. There are those who belong in the fold. Those, there are those who belong right here in this church body. But for one reason or another, they have wandered away. Like the lost sheep or the lost coin or the, the prodigal son, they really don't know how lost they really are. But praise be to God, they don't have to remain lost. Because they are searched for. The woman has ten coins and has lost one, but she doesn't just throw up her arms and say, oh, oh well, that's a bummer. No, she searches for this coin. She lights a lamp, she sweeps the floor, she looks high and low for this coin. Because this is just not an ordinary coin. This coin has great value. See, in this time, women would receive ten silver coins as a wedding gift. Those ten coins were meant to, to give her security for the future. An emergency nest egg to support her in her, her time of need. Maybe if her husband died or, or something like that, she would, she would have something that could support her for a time. Besides their monetary value, these, these coins held great sentimental value too. Often they were given to her by her father, the part of her dowry. They would often be worn either in a necklace or, or a headband. The way to, to openly warn, to, to symbolize, I'm a married woman. Look, see? See my ten coins? I'm a married woman, just like, just like we do with the wedding ring. See? I'm taken. To lose one of these would have been extremely distressing on, on many levels. The financial loss would have been big, a tenth of her life savings. I mean, how would you feel about losing a tenth of your 401k, a tenth of your social security or your pension. Boom, overnight, lost it. How many people, when the, the financial markets crashed, <clears throat> almost wiped out? The emotional stress of losing your wedding ring. I mean, how many of you would be okay with that? Losing your wedding ring. Oh, don't worry, honey. We'll just get you another ring. No, no. That one was special. That's the one that you gave to me on that day. It's not just a ring. It's important. That's the one that you gave me. The anguish of losing something with great sentimental, sentimental value. Yeah, Dad gave me these. My daddy gave me these. He's gone now. That's, that's all I have left of. Reminds me of him. Like losing, like losing grandma's brooch. It's more than a piece of jewelry. The guilt and the shame of losing it. Oh, wow. No, this one coin had immense value. And so she would search until she found it. She would light a lamp. She would sweep the floor. This is not a, a cursory look. We're searching. 
That is how the Lord views every lost soul. Everyone that has not come to faith in Christ is sought with great intensity because he sees great value in every person. Every person made in his image. Not wishing that any should perish, but for all to come to repentance, he says. He doesn't want any of his children, any of his creation. But God searches for those that are lost. He lights a lamp. He, he sweeps the floor. He sent his, his son Jesus into, a dark, into the darkness of a fallen world to be the way back. Matthew 10, 20, 28 shows the value of a soul to Jesus Christ when he says that the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. You don't give your life for something that you don't care about, that has no value. He gave his life as a ransom. The Holy Spirit to light that removes the scales from the eyes and reveals the truth of how lost people are. That work continues well after we, we first come to faith in Christ. And he can help to, to bring us back to the fold after we've wandered away. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance of all that I have said to you. Your remembrance like the prodigal son who stood in that, that pig's pen. And he remembered what he had walked away from. So he stood there in that filth. He stopped and he remembered. What am I doing? I had everything when I was home with my father. What am I doing out here? And he knew all he had to do was go home, to return to his father. We, the church, are called to be the salt and the light in this world, to point others to the Lord Jesus Christ, to point others, the lost, to the one that could save them. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and give its light to all in the house. Matthew 5, 14 through 15. We are to be a city on a hill. We are to, to be a light in the darkness of this world. To point others to the cross. Those that are helplessly lost. To be that beacon of hope that they can see. Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. We need to do that to the world. But we need to do that with a brother or a sister, Christ. If we see a brother or sister that has wandered away, we need to go and call them back to the fold. James 5, 19 through 20. James 5, 19-20. My brothers, 
If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death, will cover the multitude of sins. We need to search for the lost that are among us. It's easy. It's easy to think about the lost out there. But we have lost right here. Lost who used to sit next to you. For one reason or another, they've, they've wandered away. God searched for us. He still searches today. He calls us to do the same. Seeking the lost must take place both outside and within the church. There's a mission field out there, and, and there's a mission field in here. Look again at the steps this woman took in searching for her, her lost coin. She lit a lamp. She swept her house, seeking diligently until the coin was found. Do we take these steps when searching for lost souls? We must rely on the light of the, God's Word to bring souls back. The psalm must realize that God's Word is a, is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 105. Reliance on, reliance on and trust in the guiding power of God's Word is necessary in order to safely reach and bring back the lost. We must turn on that light. It is essential that we study and we know the word of truth so that we can rightly handle it as, as 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Then use that word to bring souls to God, to be that light. We don't just become that light. We, we must be transformed by the renewal of our mind as we study God's Word. The Holy Spirit illuminates the truth that is contained within there. As we fill ourselves with that truth and that light, then we go out into the darkness and that, that light shines forth as we seek the lost. You can't lead anybody to, to, to God. You can't call anybody back to the Lord through your, your thoughts, through your conniving, through your, your brilliance, no matter how eloquent you think you are, you can't do it. It's the power of, the God, of God's Word that brings that. Be so arrogant to think that it's you. Turn on that light. The woman in this parable also swept her house while looking. She cleaned and she put things in order. Matthew 7, 1 through 5 warns us that we must first clean ourselves up before we can effectively and, and safely bring back the lost. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. 
And with the measure you use it, you will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We must clean ourselves up. We must get our house in order first. After lighting the lamp and cleaning up her house, she, she searched diligently. Seeking the lost is not a, a part-time activity. It requires applied effort. It can be difficult and discouraging. But it must be done until they are found. Till they are found. The woman in the parable searched until she found the lost coin. She didn't start looking and then get discouraged at some point and then give up and, and stop searching. No, she, she kept working and searching until she found it. God is the same way. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises. Other count slowness. But is patient towards you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is patient as He searches for lost souls. He is not in a hurry to get it over with. He's gotten this, he hasn't gotten discouraged and, and lost his patience and says, Oh, fooey, they're never going to get it. I give up. Forget it, Jesus. Let's go home. Pick up our ball. No. He keeps searching till he finds the lost. Like he searches for the lost sheep. Luke 15, 4 through 7. Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. Until he finds it. The shepherd went out and he looked. He searched for that lost sheep until he found it. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. We're to be like him and do the same thing. We're to keep going even when we're tired and we don't feel like it. Hebrews 12.1 Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance, with endurance, the race that is set before us. Endurance. That's, you keep going, even when you're tired. You keep going. Even when it seems hopeless. We think, when we think they're, they're never going to get it. When it feels like it's just one big waste of our time. Remember James chapter 5. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know 
that whoever brings a sinner, who brings back a sinner from his wandering, will save his soul from death. It's not a waste of our time to reach out to the lost brother or sister who has wandered away. Even when it's discouraging. We, we keep going and, and they just don't seem to get it and, and they keep going further and, and we just feel like we want to just throw our hands up. Ah, forget it. Ah. The very soul is on the line. Don't give up on that lost brother or sister. Keep praying for them. Keep calling them and encouraging them. Sharing the truth and, and then calling them back to the faith. Back to the fold. Don't stop until they're found, and until they return. No, no matter how hard it is, no matter how long it takes. How long did God search for you? How long did God search for you? How long did others pray for you? God never gave up on you. Neither did those faithful saints that God put in your life. Even when it was hard to. Even though it took you so long. Praise the Lord for that, amen? They didn't give up on you. Do you know yourself? Yeah, you know how long. Like the prodigal son that finally comes home. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. They began to celebrate. The father of the prodigal son rejoiced, threw his arms around his son and welcomed him home and and threw a a great big party to celebrate. The shepherd found his lost sheep and rejoiced as he put the lamb up on his shoulders and, and carried it home called his friends and his neighbors together, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. The woman with the lost coin did the same, rejoice for me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Jesus says this is the same joyous celebration that takes place in heaven over one sinner. Over one sinner that repents and is found powerful verse teaches us, teaches us that God places great value on the lost. Each individual is precious to God. You, 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 you are precious to God. God sees every soul worth fighting for. God sees you, you, you worth fighting for. He actively seeks the lost. He he holds nothing back. He sent his son to die for you, to bring you back to him. That is why Jesus came. That was his mission. That is why Jesus associated with the sinners. God gives his Holy Spirit to reveal his word and truth to you, to lead you, to guide you in faith and repentance to shine a light in the darkness, to lead you out of your sin. 
He, he surrounds you with a, a great cloud of witnesses to, to cheer you on. Brothers and sisters who can come alongside you to support you and to encourage you, sometimes to confront you in your sin, to lovingly help you come back. And all of heaven rejoices when one lost sinner, one lost sheep, one lost coin, one prodigal son repents, comes home to him. We should rejoice too. Amen? These three parables demonstrate some wonderful truths about God and His love for the lost. Everyone has value in the eyes of God. Every person is an image bearer and is fearfully and wonderfully made. He loves each and every one. Even, even that person, that neighbor, that, that cousin, that aunt, that uncle that you just can't stand, God loves them. God is searching for them. loves each and every one. Jesus emphasized this even by the numbers that he used in these three parables. The prodigal son, one out of two, he had no favorite between the brothers. The lost coins, one out of ten. The one was no less important than the nine. The lost sheep, one out of a hundred, he left the ninety-nine to go find the one Tell me that every person is not important to God. Every person is as valuable as the next. Every person is important. You are valuable and important to God. He left the 99 for you. For you. He sent Jesus for you. For you. Every soul is worth fighting for. It's why he sent his son Jesus. It's why Jesus came, his whole mission. The shepherd went searching for the lost sheep. When he found it, he picked it up and he carried it on, he carried it on his shoulders. He carried it home. He carried the burden for the helpless sheep. The woman searched diligently for the lost coin. It had enormous value to her. It was worth the effort. She lit the lamp. She swept the floor. She didn't stop until she found it. Jesus died for you. Jesus came to find you. He humbled himself and came to earth. He walked amongst a fallen world. He lived a sinless life. He endured the rejection and the insults of lost sinners. All to go to the cross and pay for their sins. Your sin. You were worth dying for. God doesn't stop searching, even if you've let yourself drift away from God, or you've intentionally left Him. He will not stop trying to get you to come to Him, come back to Him. He's always searching, hoping, and, and waiting for you. His love for you never fades. He may have billions and billions of, of loyal followers, but if you are not with him, he is searching for you. All you have to do is turn back to him. 
That's an important, of all, an important part of all of this. God's seeking and saving lost sinners does not happen apart from their repentance. Jesus will emphasize that part next week when we, we look at the parable of the prodigal son. The wonderful truth of God's amazing love is that he seeks the lost. He searched for me. He searched for me. Because I have value in the eyes of God. I once was lost, but now I am find, found. I was blind, but now I see. He searched for me until he found me. And guess what? The angels of heaven rejoiced over me. It's the same for you. They rejoice over you coming home when you were lost, when you were found. All of heaven rejoiced. Praise God, Eileen has come home. Praise God, Rosemary, Steve, everyone. All of heaven rejoiced over you. You are important. You have value in the eyes of God. He stopped short of nothing to search for you, to bring you home. (laughs) What amazing grace. Amen? That is an amazing grace. We're going to close with that song because it is amazing when you think about that. When you were lost, he came searching for you. He left the 99 to go find you, to bring you home. He carried the burden on his shoulders. He paid the price. When you were found, there was a great big celebration in heaven over you. That is an amazing grace We need to celebrate, and we need to share with the world. May that motivate us to go, to seek the lost. Whether they've never come to know Christ at all, or whether they did, but they've wandered away, may we follow his example and seek the lost, to keep looking until we find them. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, we come before you again and we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We we thank you for the amazing grace that you have shown us. That in spite of who we are, you see immense value in each of us. Each and every one of us. We're worth fighting for. If I was the only sinner, you would have sent Jesus to come to live into this world and to die on a cross for my sin alone. Oh, what amazing grace. Lord Jesus, I, I pray that you would help us to remember how diligently you searched for us. No matter how long, how far we ran, that you sought us until you found us and you brought us home. And all of heaven rejoiced. 
may we have the same heart for the lost as you did. May we see each and every person as, as somebody that is of great value in your eyes. May we search for them. May we be the light in the, in the darkness that can lead them back to you, to the truth. May the world come to know that amazing grace that is offered to all who would receive it. Pray that you would help us to do this by the power of the Holy Spirit as it works in and through us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.